0: hey guys welcome to not just a hashtag podcast presented by trees of hope i'm your host nicole escobar with my co-host anisa Kristen, and mariah on this podcast we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse its realities and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives we share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to episode 14 of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. I'm Nicole, your host, and I'm here with my ladies. How are you guys doing?
1: I am excited about this episode. I think it's going to be really helpful,
2: Um, and I'm excited. I'm also excited. Just said bye to my little sister. She's going back to school, so a little sad, but not going to let that um, affect my pep.
0: Oh, Bye, (laughs) Belle. Bye, Belle. We're sad. We are we're crying here. (laughs) Definitely
3: very, very happy to be here and excited about this episode too. All
0: right. So let's get into it. This is the third and final part of our three-part series that are all connected and have to do with the same thing. Issues that you must confront and deal with in your healing journey. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast or the one before that, please go back and listen to those so you can receive the full benefit of these connected episodes. Last week we discussed how you need to face the issues of betrayal. Today we will be discussing and facing the ways in which you may be in denial over your abuse or the effects of your abuse. Denial helps us cope and focus on what we must do in order to survive. Denial harms us though when it causes us to ignore problems for which there are solutions or deny feelings and needs that need to be dealt with in order for us to be healthy. When we as victims of abuse deny our abuse, we're actually lying to ourselves and avoiding the truth. So who here dealt with denial?
2: What's funny is like I definitely did, but I didn't know Mm -hmm. that I was in denial because everything had been reframed in my mind to be like um, something that would have happened anyways and consensual pretty much like. I feel like a lot of what my friends thought or my one friend who I talked to was like, you were going to sleep with him anyway. So what does it matter if it happened like sooner and while you were drunk? So I, I guess like I had no idea that I was in denial because I didn't have like a proper perspective of what had happened to me. So when what we're going to get into like the varying degrees of denial, it's like so crazy now to see like where I fall or where I fell previously in that but I didn't even recognize it as denial and I think
3: most people don't actually recognize when they're in denial um, because you kind of end up building an infrastructure in your mind to keep yourself that way like you have to support and figure out a way to support that like yeah it wasn't that bad you know that's a minimization but um, yeah you, ha- you have to come up with a lot of reasoning to um, be in denial yeah so it makes sense that exactly. you're not aware of it till you are really mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe most people can actually relate to that. And I was, you know, in denial, not only about, you know, about the abuse, and that was just my way to survive and to move forward in like, even hiding that help happened. Um, You know, I found some phrases and beliefs that helped me keep keep me there like okay it must have been a dream like it must have not happened you know and honestly even not just denial that the abuse not that happened and that it affected me and that a lot of these things are you know I was an unaware that a lot of these things for, was from sexual abuse but also in denial of the betrayal that I experienced and even just like not just the betrayal about you know who the abuser was because that's definitely a huge extent of it but also with family members or people who sided with that person and believed what they were saying that it was mutual and I seduced him and all these things that you know they actually it convinced them that that actually happened and it helped them stay in denial even though if they looked at who I was they would never believe that I would do that um but it kind of gave them a reason to deny that that ha- the horrendous thing would happen not only in our family, but that their family family member would do that mm-hmm. to another. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I to- totally do. For me, I just felt like I was in denial because I was saying to myself, well, h- how could that one incident of su- such a small severity affect me now? And it kind of leads me to my next point, which is people say that all the time. Actually, I hear that all the time from my friends that are like, well, why do I even need to dig up the past? It doesn't affect me now. And we want you to think about other ways you have protected yourself through the use of denial. Um, It's you need to focus on that. It's a protection measure. It's not actually dealing with the actual problem. And we use varying degrees of denial. And I'll read a few of those to you. First degree is denial that the abuse happened or that we have symptoms from the abuse. And this is the most severe uh, version of denial. Second degree is minimization or rationalization of the abuse. Third degree is admitting that the abuse happened but denying the effects of it. Fourth degree is unwilling to seek any help for the abuse and the symptoms, acknowledging that there was abuse and it affects but refusing to get help. Which level did you guys fall under?
2: I was definitely in the fourth degree for a long time. Um, But then it's funny because I feel like, oh wait, no, 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 scratch that. I was in the first degree for a long time. Denial that the abuse happened or that we have symptoms from the abuse. But actually, I feel like I knew I was a crazy person, but I never attributed any of my erratic behavior or problems to something that happened to me so I feel like I vacillated between a few of them like and it's what also really sucks about everything is like because I was always under the influence of something I feel like every time I had even consensual sex I was so drunk or high and so I feel like now even if I like close my eyes like right now and try to think back on certain things like everything blurs together so frequently and then I'm mixing up certain nights and it's just like and that's how it's always been is I feel like I've never had like a really clear memory um the way I know I've described it to my friends here right now is like if someone were to throw like Polaroid pictures like in a black hole and it's like sometimes I can grab like multiple pictures at one time and like string them together but I just feel like because I I didn't have clear memories I I of course never would have thought like oh that's why I'm so depressed that's why I hate myself that's why I have an eating disorder that's why you know I abuse substances and clearly have several coping mechanisms (laughs) that are very obvious to like anyone looking in on my life I never thought it was tied to like anything sexual that had happened I just too like I believed everything people said about me I was I was like oh I'm just I'm I'm easy like, I'm a slut. So, like, you know, it's my own fault anyways. So, it's weird. When I, like, read these, it's, like, too, I think I always minimized and rationalized, like, stuff with guys, too, that I really, really didn't want to happen. But, like, I did agree. Like, I did consent, like, you know, as opposed to other times that I was either not conscious or, like, I did say no. But I would so just be, like, I mean, I'm I'm okay. Like, I'm here so I would downplay it a lot it's going through this I feel like was a little not triggering it was just like really hard reading through the list because it brought me back to like remembering how much I struggled for so long with just the truth
1: Hmm. yeah I definitely relate to those you know like looking back and it kind of helps put in perspective You know, even after working through things and knowing this information, it still kind of gives you aha moments and reminds you. And I would say I've been in each degree at some point and I and, you know, maybe that's typical, but I definitely have. But I think the first degree and the fourth degree really stuck out to me the most, Um, especially for a while, Um, not willing to seek any help. I think I was just so scared and terrified of it. I think for a long time I was once I realized, oh my gosh, I a crime was done against me. Um, and I think too, a lot of rationalization and minimizing and unable to accept certain effects like PTSD and dissociating 40% of the time, like it's hard for me to accept that. And because then it really hits the reality of how traumatizing it was. Mm-hmm. And it really faces itself to the minimizing and I struggle and I'm like, wait, no, I don't. And I even still today will avoid and rationalize any of my symptoms of PTSD. Like I don't even let my mind attach it and say, oh, I'm triggered right now and I can ground myself right now. But because I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. You know, it keeps me stuck sometimes even now.
3: Well, that's the thing, too. I think with um, what you guys were sharing, I think that we as um, therapists have a lot of compassion for this. I think when someone is in denial, it is a coping technique, and, it's, and a lot of it is survival. Some people have survived years um, in denial because it was just too overwhelming, and they didn't know what to do with it. So, um, it's understandable. I think that, that a person is in this place and goes back and forth even with the very, with the different degrees of denial. That's pretty normal too, to go in and out of those things. And I think, um, the encouragement with that is, I think you, and I think the reminder too, is to be, get out of denial You have to face truth, but you need support in order to do that. And that's something we've been saying all along. This is not something that it's like, all right, that's it. I just have to go face the truth because sometimes it's, and especially with, um, when we're talking about sexual abuse or assault, um, this is really heavy stuff. And so you need a support person or people with you, you know, which is why we're talking about it here and always encouraging that.
0: Yeah, I, so for me, I relate a lot to um, vacillating in between these different degrees. Um, for, but I spent a lot of time in the second one only because for some reason, I didn't think, like I said, it was a big deal. And it goes back to when you've been sexually abused, and I know we should never compare, but when you've been sexually abused at like a huge severity, like rape or something like that, It tends to, like, make you want to, or at least in my mind, makes you want to do something about it, right? Because it's so big. Then when you've been sexually abused in the small forms that I feel that were me, I'm, like, almost embarrassed to state that and to, to name it as such, then to go seek help because I'm, like, I'm such a baby. Like, why can't I deal with this on my own and make myself better? But what happened was when I did finally go see a counselor and I talked to her about everything, she made me feel very comfortable and confident that there is no, it, I get, she's like, I understand what you're saying, that there's a severity, but there's such a, it doesn't matter. It's such a broad spectrum that yeah. you need to just know that you're in that, like you're in it. And w- we've said this before, way before in several episodes earlier, that um, I may rec- I may feel different about my sexual abuse than someone who's had a very hardcore absolutely and it's are all about resiliency mm-hmm. and grit and in your life and you're the way that you were raised i think helps too so
3: and just people's personalities mm-hmm. too. personalities yeah it's temperament it's a lot of a lot of factors
0: yeah and so it took me a while to be able to associate myself with someone who's sensitive because if i said that then that meant the whole persona that i have built for myself all these years that i'm this really tough hard girl is not actual because i am this really soft person and my husband always says like i'm his little marshmallow and it's true because i have this hard thing on the outside but once you all get to know me as you know i'm soft and gentle (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that same goes with myself in admitting certain things that bother me so now i'm at a healthy place where i can go to and say that hurt me. Mm. That bothered me. I felt offended there. I know you were sexually harassing me there. Like things like that. I'm mm. more aware now. Nicole's that's a really like, good point.
1: Y- yeah. am Glad you was. said all
0: that.
2: Oh, thank yeah. you. Sorry, I was gonna compare you to a, one of those little chocolate balls that like, has caramel on the inside. It's like hard on the outside. A and Rolo. Then- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I feel like I don't need enough. <laughs> I don't need enough candy to know what that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry i babe. hope you're referring to a very delicious one a like a lindor little,
2: maybe that <laughs> is what was it i know about those those are the yeah, bomb You those and it's like mm, caramel Satisfied. that's Nicole. <laughs> you know, once you get past that crunchy exterior and you get to that sweet gooey caramel you're in, in so a sweet funny. spot <laughs>
0: Okay, so that brings me to my next point, which is denial doesn't always mean we don't acknowledge that abuse happened. We just might rationalize, excuse, or minimize its significance or effect upon us. Other types of denial are forgetting, outright lying, or contradicting the facts due to self-deception. Deeper still, we may completely repress things that are too painful to remember or think about. And Mariah and Anissa, you both had some really great feedback here on that. So everything
2: that we've been talking about made me remember this really, really great little nugget of truth that one of my mentors gave me. I was in the Middle East and I was working with Syrian refugees and the first day I was there, I was like messed up from what I was seeing and then um you know a few days past I was visiting the places where Syrian refugees were having to stay and seeing you know just like physical deformities from things that happened in escaping the war in Syria and just like hearing story after story after story and everything that was lost and family members like dead in front of them and I was unmoved and so I texted my mentor and I was like I'm scared am I like a sociopath because I'm like hearing and seeing the worst atrocities that this scary world has to offer like on a silver platter in front of my face and I'm like not really responding and I'm just wondering like is this normal and she I went to look for the text because everything she said she's like one of my greatest idols she said um Anissa, the reality is you, your brain, your emotions are enabling you to continue to do work that you need to do. So it's like you are essentially denying the effects that everything you're seeing and hearing is having on you so that you can continue going about the business that you need to do, that you were called to do, that you went to the Middle East to do. And that is so much of what and it's not a positive aspect of denial, but it's a reality that, you know, our minds are so insane that they have been gifted the ability to almost temporarily shut down in some areas so that we can properly function. And we were talking about how if you were to face some of the things that happened to you, you know, just like whenever you want to like pull it up and be like, yeah, this happened, like you would be a wreck. Like you wouldn't be able to do the things that you need to do if you have a family like take care of your family like if you you know your job you're going to be sitting in front of your computer like totally incapacitated unable to do the things that you need to do so it's not necessarily like a positive aspect of denial it just makes sense and it is it is really insane when you start to think about the coping mechanisms that we have been given by god almighty to function when awful things happen to us it's like even in the things that aren't so great it's still God's goodness towards us that we're able to like okay I need to be present for this and it's important that I be present for this so I'm going to just put this on a weird back burner in my mind and like deny its effects on me but that being said I had severe secondary PTSD that did catch up with me. So I denied the effects of what I was seeing and hearing so that I could do what I had gone to the Middle East to do. I came back and freaking hit me like a Mack truck. like, And that's okay. And it's good. And I went back to the Middle East the next summer. Then I want to go back. It's 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 just really cool to think about like okay temporary shutting down for a purpose and then reconvening with your emotions at a later time when you can address things the way that they need to be addressed
1: yeah that's so true i think that when i kind of understood this as a coping mechanism so i can survive it really helped me have compassion on myself instead of despise myself for it and like bully myself into like okay i need to like face it, you know, and I need to not be in denial, but really be patient with my healing process and be compassionate on that. And also really kind of be grateful for that. And, um, you know, and we don't want to stay there because it does freeze you down. And I remember where there was just a high point for me where I just couldn't handle it anymore. And the thing about, you know like you said like freezing your emotions down so you can survive is it also your body actually numbs out physically because when we're in that much pain our bodies actually will freeze those down and you feel that numb out feeling and so it helped me see like through counseling and ways to kind of come back to reality um and even just like holding ice in my hands or walking out um And having the rain like hit me just so that I feel alive because when you're numbed out sometimes you feel like you're not existing anymore and 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 it's really scary and you can lose yourself in that and I think understanding that again helps you have grace on yourself and um in that it actually helps you move forward instead of even being stuck even in that so I think if you can understand um this process then you can say oh man that's why I've just been frozen for years and nothing affects me and then I make this persona and identity of myself is like you can't hurt me and then that affects your relationships in life and how you can um, restore certain things so all that to say I think with this being said repressing things and freezing down and um, all of that stuff I think seeing it as again, like we said, as a coping mechanism, then we can really see it as like, wow, okay. And when it happens again, then you can even say, whoa, I'm at a high point in my pain and I'm freezing down again. What is is that thing that I'm denying? And then you kind of have to start looking at it in hopes to move out of it so that you can start living.
2: Mariah literally just unlocked like the weirdest realization. So... Before I had gone through counseling, but it's still, it's like such a weird thing that I love. I loved going to the beach in winter months here in Florida, winter months, LOL. But the water does get cold. And my favorite thing was, like, jumping into, like, ice cold water. Because then it was, like, that's, like, when I would feel, like, the most, like present and alive like I'm like in over my head in freezing cold water and I would stay in there and I would get out and I would just like let myself be so cold and it was like such a weird weird which I feel like it makes sense because like at the time like I wasn't feeling anything like very deeply mm. at all but that's so interesting never ever thought about that and I remember even going to the beach with friends at that time and being like no one's gonna get in and they were like you're a psychopath the water is like <laughs> freezing and it's windy out and I'm like oh that's when it's the best
1: yeah that does really <sighs> make sense and I think that can maybe even go towards you know Like there was a moment, like I said, I was frozen down and I learned those ways of starting to feel because I was starting to hurt myself and I would just dig my nails in my legs as hard as I could. I didn't cut myself because I knew that um, I knew that. I don't know that I, I just wasn't there, but I could have gone there is what I'm trying to say. If I continued in that pattern and that moment where I lost myself, I wasn't feeling alive. I didn't know who I was. I was so frozen down that I was digging my nails as hard as I could. That was the moment that I was like, I need help. And for years I was refusing to. And that was the moment that I was like, I'm going to call. And I'm going to take that scary step.
2: I need help or
1: I'm going to really hurt myself. So
2: I took a woman in literature class my sophomore year of college. I swear this is like all very pertinent. Another thing, Mariah is just unlocking very bizarre (laughs) memories for me right now because I, um, in that class, our teacher wanted us to um talk about like a feminist issue and she was like and I don't want any of this like you know wage gap like nothing I want something new and like fresh and controversial I want it to be something that someone in the class could say like that's not a feminist issue and you need to prove why it is and so I chose to do um like the stigma with women who have tattoos and piercings and like why you know is it so different if you see a man with a sleeve as opposed to a woman with a sleeve like what is that what is that gender issue like where we have such a different perspective so I read like 10 billion articles all of them like insane very eye-opening one of them talked about how um, tattooing is like a socially acceptable form of cutting and so for people would be like, i never cut myself, i never cut myself, but it's like the pain of a tattoo feels so relieving and like so good. Nicole's making a face. This made sense to me. I remember bawling my little eyes out in the library because I thought about every time I went and got a tattoo, it was after something very traumatizing in my life had happened. And it was like such a bizarre reprieve um to go and just get something and like to get my mind off of everything besides like the feeling of the tattoo and so I remember reading this article it talked about how to like women do it as like a rite of passage like just a lot of like things that were really ridiculous but that one article I just felt like and there is um an actual term for like finding a socially acceptable means of something that's not socially acceptable so cutting isn't tattoos are Another example would be like, you know, people who want to get into like uh, being a mortician where it's like cutting people open or, or uh, surgeons where it's like you can't do that <laughs> in most settings. But in the setting of being a doctor, you can. And so it's like finding a socially acceptable means of something that's not really OK. And so I remember just like reading that article and like realizing like, oh, my gosh. I love my tattoos. They're all so meaningful to me. But I'm like, every time I got one. And how did I not notice that pattern? Like, was a way of me. Almost to, I feel like, commemorating that thing in my life. Like, almost like a weird milestone. Like, and why would you want to remember something terrible? But, it was just like, I made it through. And now I'm going to get this little tribute piece. So... I totally get that. Um, I never cut either. Like that wasn't something that I really like struggled with amongst like everything else I did. But I have like 14 tattoos. <laughs> Some of them like pretty big. So I do think like, I mean, nothing compared to <laughs> Nicholi. But I definitely like, I think that's interesting and something to think about. Like when do you get piercings? When do you get tattoos? Are they correlated in any mm-hmm. way to like traumatic things happening in your life just good to think about
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I think all of these things are really healthy to think about um and definitely if you have if you're doing something like that is to I'm hashing through this so I don't really actually know what how I want to say it but if you're doing something like that um what you're explaining then and you're aware of it yeah, be on the lookout for that, and I love that you're saying that. But if you're somebody who's like doing something because you, you love it love and them, you want that, yeah. yeah,
2: not a big deal. No, Nicole is a hundred percent right. I don't think like so that it's not like every time I see someone with tattoos, I'm like, you had a rough life. Let's sit down and have a yeah, talk. like what happened? What happened? To, what happened to you? But yeah. like for me, that's yours, personally, yeah, personally. And yeah. there was a scholarly article out there about it, so I was like. This has to be relevant enough for some educated person out there to sit down and be like, I'm going to write stuff about this. I just thought it was like so wild and very applicable to me. But if you're out there listening and have a million tattoos, I don't think like you had a traumatized life
0: at all. It's just interesting. Yeah, and like, you know, my, my thing, like people, um, I used to do that numbing out thing all the time with sleeping pills. Anytime I needed them, one, when I got married, because I had to, I wasn't able to sleep. My husband is not the quietest sleeper. So <laughs> I was like in the beginning, but then I started to realize I was taking those, I was taking other things in order to numb out. And so that's something like what Anissa is explaining for her, which is tattoos or whatever. I, I would go in seasons whenever something was really dark, really upsetting, something that made me want to not feel, I would do that. I would drink a little bit more than I would normally. Mm -hmm. I would do things to just, you know, not feel, basically. But I made a resolution in my mind that I have to, in order to live, I have to feel. And in order to thrive, I have to really feel. And those feelings sometimes are going to be really heavy, burdensome, triggering. They're going to make me feel all kinds of things. But it's more important that I feel those than I don't feel at all. And so that's been like, cause I have thought about it a hundred times when I go to the doctor, I'm like, I could just get, and just, you know, and maybe I will one day, I don't know, maybe I'll be healthy enough to navigate through that. But as of right now, I know, and I'm on a year, I have not taken them. And I'm like, you're, I'm so proud of you because at the same time I was, I was like a zombie. I was like, I'm just taking these, I'm numbing out. I, my conversations are not that great. My Time with friends is not that great because I can't wait to just go home and take a sleeping pill and go to bed. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you have to know yourself, and that's the key to all of this. And I think the key, most important thing that we want you to take away is when you look at your denial, if you're denying anything, um, are you denying it in a healthy way, as in what we've kind of talked about, that you need to do that in order to survive? Or are you doing it in an unhealthy way where you're just not wanting to deal with what's happened to you? So um, some of the things that we're talking about is denial as a defense. And there are many reasons we use denial, including avoidance of physical or emotional pain, fear, shame, or the chance for conflict. Um, I would say when I was about five years ago, I would say absolutely, I would deny everything because I didn't want to have the conflict of dealing with something. So if somebody hurt me, if somebody um, sexually harassed me, if I felt uncomfortable in a specific situation by a guy or a girl, I would just say, well, you're feeling, no, you didn't really feel that. Don't, don't, you know, you're, you're being too. emotional about that and i would just push that down so that i didn't have to actually deal with the uncomfortableness of the conflict of confronting that person and saying hey that was inappropriate or something like that so it's one of the first defenses that we learn as a child and it helps us cope with difficult emotions such as the initial stages of grief following the loss of a loved one particularly if the separation of death is sudden denial allows our body mind to adjust to the shock more gradually the majority of survivors detach themselves from their feelings. Victims of violent crimes such as rape and incest, regardless of age, often totally shut down their emotions. The body and mind both have protective overload devices to be used in a crisis. These are intended for temporary use only though, and they sorry. These are intended for temporary use only though, and the longer they remain in place, the more damage they do,
2: which is everything that we talked about. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And just important to remember. Exactly. So inner conflict is another major reason for denial, and children often repress memories of abuse not only due to their pain, but because they're dependent on their parents, love them, and they're powerless to leave home. Young children idolize these parents, and it's easier to forget, to rationalize, or make excuses than accept the unthinkable reality that my mother or father or their entire world is cruel or crazy. Instead, they deny the abuse ever took place or deny that it was that it has ever impacted them. I remember speaking to one of my really close girlfriends. Um, she's much, much older than me, but um, she had been sexually abused by her father almost her whole life, and that was her. When she would tell me the story, now she came alive, but she would say, I would basically, every time he would come into the room, I would deny that it was happening, and I would just be like... Um, No, this is his form of showing me love like she would rationalize what was happening and as she's telling me the story So of course when you're standing on the outside, you're like, hello, this is clear to me We're gonna ask you some questions and we want you to be honest as you can coming up with your answers When you think of your story or what's happened to you, do you minimize the pain you have suffered? Do you continue to accept the responsibility that properly belongs to others? Did you or do you feel responsible for the emotions of others? Most victims of abuse experience third-degree denial, admitting that the abuse happened but denying the effects of it. Jeez, that was me. Meaning that they don't realize that detrimental impact the abuse is having on them, often leading to post-traumatic stress disorder long after they've left the abuser. We also want to touch on something really quick to be clear. Disassociation is different than denial. Disassociation is more complicated form of not remembering. Victims sometimes store fragments of memories in bits and pieces in order to protect themselves from the overwhelming experience produced by the complete recall of shattering events. A significant part of healing is to gradually recall the fragments and make appropriate connections. It's like putting a puzzle together. We wanna let you know that in a safe environment with a support group, specifically with the Trees of Hope support group, you can gradually put together the fragmented memories of reality. Once you know where the feelings and behaviors come, you can work through the traumatic memories and deal directly with your hurt, anger, grief, helplessness, and other painful emotions. So we want you to know it's time to heal. It's your time. Most survivors just don't get over the effects of sexual abuse, and the results certainly do not go away because the abuse happened a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I think that's where you know loved ones have a hard time with is that you know, if you haven't directly been affected by sexual abuse, you know, that that phrase always is time heals all wounds. And it's not true. You know, like, mine's been years. And it's not because it's been years that I'm healed It's because I finally started facing it head on. And because I did that, then these years that I've done that has brought me forward. And, you know, there's been people who, you know, because of they almost well, that was so long ago. It doesn't affect me. But once they start, I mean, in their 50s and their 60s and, you know, and so on, time didn't heal them. It was facing it that healed them and telling their story and getting their life back. And, and I'm telling you, every support group I led, there's been someone that has said, I wish I would have done this sooner. Um, and I think that's really important to just recognize as a survivor and also as a supporter that, that one, they do need time. You're not going to just get over it. You're always going to be affected by it in some way. But, um, you know, supporting someone in the long term, lo- the longevity of that is just such a gift. Um, so, yeah. I think that's just kind of an important thing to say. And even just addressing, you know, your denial from those who have enabled it, who's enabled the abuse, and maybe not even addressing that and those who betrayed you in all aspects um, because that's just too much to bear. It's more pain. Um, That's just an extra person that had betrayed you. So there's just like we're saying, there's so many layers and and the layers happen when you work for it and start start working through your feelings and feeling them. and that's why people don't get help because so much. And I remember at one point I was like, this is this is why no one goes there. It's just too much to bear. like I don't know if I can keep doing it. And there's times where you just need to have grace on that um, and just say those things like, I am going to move forward, you know so
2: yeah mariah said a really really good thing that i always think about where it's like okay nicole mariah and i we didn't just wake up one morning and we were like wow thank god five years six years three years has passed i'm now like ready to live a full healthy life we put in the freaking work and it's hard and I think the hardest part is starting because you have so many Mm -hmm. like fears about like what's going to come out and it's like the anticipation of it often is what keeps people I think from like calling that counselor's number and setting up an appointment or you know Going online and getting with that support group because it's like you don't know what's gonna happen. But once you start, like that's the most important thing is just starting. Mm-hmm. And like, once you start making it like a regular, like I was going twice a week because like my life was jacked up. So I was going twice a week. And it was like once I got in the motion of it, and like there were so many times I did like pull over on mm-hmm. my way home from counseling, like on the side of the road because I couldn't Same. see. Cause Mm -hmm. I was just a wreck, like not safe to drive. Honestly, (laughs) like I was out on that road (laughs) on 95, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it, it is, it's like, you're not going to wake up one day and just like the trauma that happened to you just like sunk into the, to nothingness because enough time passed, like time doesn't heal these wounds and, you know, being in denial, it's helpful to do what you need to do, but it's, again, like, not a place to stay. And I know, like, none of us can emphasize it enough. Like, you need to address it. And we always say that. Yeah, and I think even just, like,
1: people saying, can't you just get over it? Have you not already? And then saying that to ourselves, like, just get over it by already. And hopefully knowing this helps avoid
0: that. So the next point is your denial does not just affect you, but also everyone around you. The more you deny what's happened to you, it will affect the closeness of your relationships. So give you an example. When I had gotten married, I told my husband, I'm fine, babe, I've done the hard work. I'm pure. like, I'm good. And then it's not up until more recently that I realized it doesn't matter how much work I have done. I have to literally do a daily work on us. And that is because my emotions are, it's so easy for me to go shut down. It's so easy for me to just turn them off. It's easy for me to not be emotionally connected to him because I never had that. And then when I do, it feels foreign. So I avoid it. So again, it's that rat race of, you know, you go back and forth and on this whole thing. But What I have to do daily is remind myself that my feelings, they're good and I need to feel them. And then I have to emotionally connect with my husband because if I don't do that, I'm not going to, I'm going to affect our relationship and he's not going to feel close to me. And I listen to him when he says things like, babe, you're you're being really negative right now. And I'm like, and, and he's not maybe even talking about me personally, as in against my myself, but I'm saying things like, you know, shut up, babe. Like he feels those things are negative and I agree like they are. And so what I'm getting at is that sometimes you go down a path and you don't even realize you're on it until you get into a relationship and that, and then the closeness of your relationships point things out to you. Like, as I'm saying with my marriage, so... I just wanted to mention that because um, a lot of times we think that well if I deny this or we're kind of denying our denial <laughs> like right and if I deny this who's this gonna hurt except for me and we don't realize that it hurts a lot of people exactly and so that's just a point that I wanted to make on that did you guys have anything on that I think that was perfect yeah yeah, yeah. I love that it's, very, it's not, very true yeah all of these
2: coping mechanisms don't just affect you like it affects everyone around you
1: yeah for and I, sure I think that even denying that you have any value because this is all your fault keeps you from having relationships that are so great that they value you so you you draw near to people that aren't good for you do you know what I mean so. oh my god do i
0: know what you mean yeah
2: toxic <laughs> you are you no it's true like you attract what you are it's very true it's amazing i got it's david very, very it's Aww. amazing
0: i got rav oh I'm my se-
2: god yeah my gosh every day it's like a wonder when i wake up to like a normal healthy Person. human being i'm like i know well that's probably why i
1: don't have anyone <laughs> no <laughs> i've been that is not why. for so long no
2: <laughs> well maybe that, like yes. you know what i mean anyway I, I, yeah nor there but no I mean it is here nor there but also <laughs> I did a, I had a couple uh, Tito soda waters like Saturday night and I um, left a voicemail
0: for my best friend and I was like
2: David's in that house and he's just so good to me Aww. <laughs> <That's
0: so sweet. laughs> yeah I do I do love when we can cherish those people in our life yeah. and yeah totally so now let's tie everything together from the last three episodes If you take the responsibility that belongs to the person who committed the abuse, you will be consumed with shame, anger, and destruction that is not yours to suffer. If you believe God has betrayed you, you will not seek him. If you stay in denial, you will not experience peace, self-love, or self-respect. So the last thing we want to leave you with is if you're a victim of sexual abuse, the time has come for you to give responsibility to the perpetrator. You also need to accept that someone betrayed you. You need to come out of denial and begin the process of dealing with the very painful memories. This is your time, okay? This is why we're doing what we're doing. We want to empower you. And we hope that you feel strength every time you listen to these podcasts and you see yourself in these stories, in our stories, really. And that's all I had to say on that. Yeah. Do you guys have anything?
1: I mean, just listening to that every time empowers me, you know? And it, it it shows that it's possible and it shows you that you're worth it and that um you can be this strong grounded like fighter. And that is going to be the result of doing exactly what you just said. So, I think that's awesome. And then it affects Everyone else in the world, those who are survivors, those who are perpetrators, Mm -hmm. and the justice system, and all of it, and that's what our hope
2: is, you know? Definitely with these last three podcasts, I think if you do, like, go back and it's like, okay, responsibility, who is responsible? My rapist, like my rapist, and writing out the answers, like, who betrayed me? My friends, and someone who acted like he was my friend, Like that person acted like he was my friend and he cared very deeply for me. So it's like he betrayed me. He was responsible. It wasn't my fault. I didn't like, you know, like writing out truth statements even that go along with like everything that we've been saying. And like I was raped. I'm not going to deny that. Like I was sexually assaulted while I was in an inebriated state. And it's like those are true statements. And It's like I think that there's so much power in just speaking the truth. And so even if you don't believe them, and we've talked about that, but like this is the truth. And like writing it out and saying it and, you know, like I'm not going to minimize, I'm not going to deny, I'm not going to like pretend like this was my fault or I asked for this. There's so much power in that. Yeah, and I think even just one of those other ones is did you feel responsible for
1: or do now for other people's feelings? And that's something I have to fight all the time because I that you feel responsible for everything because it's so rooted in in that truth that lie that has set itself in you Mm -hmm. and I think even just seeing that like oh man I'm still doing that today like I read that I'm like hmm I'm definitely taking responsibility to what that person is feeling when I'm not responsible for that or not responsible for them you know so yeah
0: yeah I love that thank you guys so one of the things I want to end each episode with is a tidbit or like a little nugget of prevention tip. Um, we haven't really done that. And I actually had a, uh, someone write in and said, could you give us a little more prevention things?" So I thought that would be great to add here. So first, I'm going to give you a stat so that you understand the severity of sexual abuse. One in three girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused by the age of 18. I actually want to take that a step further and say 33% of people who've been sexually abused as a child. Will 35. 35% of people who've been sexually abused as a child, actually under the age of 18, will be re-victimized in their adult life. And that's really important for you to know that if yeah. you don't deal with what has happened to you, you will potentially be somebody who's re-victimized. Okay, so now I want to give you a sexual abuse misconception that goes along with that statistic I gave you, which is a misconception is that child sexual abuse only occurs from strangers. This is a very common perception that is far from accurate. In fact, as mentioned, 93% of children knew their abuser. And with only 7% of abusers falling under the stranger category, it is crucial to understand the signs and behaviors to pick up cues from people who are around your children. And I say that because we have been talking about people who've sexually abused us, and in all instances, it was somebody that we knew, we loved, and we trusted in some form. So... Just wanted to encourage you with that so that you start checking your circle. And one other last thing I'll leave you with is if your gut feels it, I would say trust your gut about the person because that's a good indicator that something's wrong. All right, so we're done here. But the last thing I want to leave you with is if you don't feel like giving responsibility to someone else, if you feel like taking on yourself or you're not ready to stop denying what has happened to you, We completely understand. All we ask is that you just keep coming back. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. See ya. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We would love for you to subscribe so that you can get each and every episode right away. We'd also love to see you rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Every time you share this podcast, it not only means the world to us, but it also gives us more exposure. So, to learn more about us, go to treesofhope.org. Bye.